workaholism. Hello, my cubicle crazies, open space supporters, corner office cohorts, home den devotees, and coffee shop sycophants. My name is Brock Armstrong, and I am not the workplace hero. Although, as of this episode, I have now uttered those words 29 times. So, perhaps I am the workplace hero? <laughs> and who's to say? Certainly not me. But anyway, before we go any further down that particular rabbit hole, I have something to ask you. Do you have a fitness plan? I mean, like a real fitness plan. Beyond going out and half-heartedly jogging around the block after you noticed how winded you got when you were carrying your groceries up a short flight of stairs. Well, if you don't, and you plan to combat that, I want to direct you to skywalkerfitness.ca. That's the fitness coaching business that I run. And whether you want to run a 10k or a marathon or race in a triathlon or put on some muscle or just clean up your diet and get totally ripped, I will create a plan that's specifically made for you. I don't use any cookie cutter, one size fits all programs, only 100% tailored programs that fit around your life's commitments because, well, we're all busy people and sometimes you gotta have somebody watching your back. And for being a workplace hero, I will give you a special deal on your first three months of coaching. So head over to skywalkerfitness.ca and send me a note referencing this podcast about being a workaholic so I can start building you the perfect program to meet your fitness goals. Okay, back to the topic of the day. Society tells us that working harder and working more hours is good, and it's often equated with being a better person. But if you have listened to this podcast for a while, you know very well that it is actually kind of damaging for you. It can be hard on your fellow employees and even detrimental to your company's success. So let me ask you this. What is the difference between being a hard worker and being a workaholic? Well, a hard worker might stay extra hours right before a big deadline, but they don't get to a point where they neglect their family or their friends or their own health to a sometimes irreversible point. A workaholic is someone who compulsively works long hours, often on the weekends and through vacation time. They're physically addicted to work, and this could mean 12 to 14 hour workdays every day. Now, the hard worker is emotionally present for all family members, co-workers, and friends, and manages to maintain a healthy balance between work and personal responsibility. Someone who has periodic bursts of overworking in order to meet an important deadline or an emergency situation is not a workaholic. A person who makes a resolution to save a high percent of their energy to bring home every night and who puts a firewall around their weekends to protect themselves from work-related temptations is certainly not a workaholic. Workaholics are obsessed with their work performance and hooked on an adrenaline high, a rather mundane one, but nonetheless, a workaholic is hell-bent on self-aggrandizement and they're ego-driven folks who are obsessed with reaching one goal and then immediately set another more ambitious goal on its heels. For a workaholic, staying at the same level of accomplishment is actually considered a failure. Workaholics often walk fast, talk fast, eat fast, and almost certainly overschedule themselves. 
They often must do things their own, perhaps myopic way. And they would rather die than delegate because, well, you know, others won't do as good a job as me. If left unchecked, a workaholic will experience a breakdown where conscious and unconscious stress causes them to do things like suffer panic attacks, claustrophobia, depression, and with nearly 100% compliance, acute sleep disturbance. Okay, well, how did these people get that way? According to an article at psychologytoday.com, many workaholics were forced too quickly into adult responsibilities as children because of situational circumstances such as a parent's illness, a death in the family, or separation of the parents. Others come from families where there is a doing performance-oriented value system where conditional love is granted if the child exceeds expectations and makes the family proud. Workaholics were often the good kid who does well in school and excels at sports and doesn't cause much trouble. And one of its sources is reported to be the possibility that these overly responsible adults never had a carefree childhood. Now while we're on the topic of being overly responsible, a friend of mine, hi Karen, once diagnosed me with a condition called ODSR, or Overly Developed Sense of Responsibility. I love this term, because since being diagnosed with ODSR, I often find myself asking myself, do I really need to get this done right now, or is that my ODSR talking? And often simply by asking myself that simple question, I can back off and relax for a while. It's like a mental cue to take stock and take a deep breath and look at the moment for what it really is, which is much better than what I used to ask myself when I was a stock boy at a liquor store, which I absolutely will not get into right now for fear of giving you the wrong impression of me. But it was a long time ago and I was young and I was floundering, but anyway. The Psychology Today article defined a workaholic as a work-obsessed individual who gradually becomes emotionally crippled and addicted to power and control in a compulsive drive to gain approval and public recognition of success. These driven women and men live in a gerbil wheel, adrenaline-pumping existence, rushing from plan A to plan B, narrowly fixated on some ambitious goal or accomplishment. Eventually, nothing or no one else really matters to them. Work is essential for their well-being and integral to their identity. They suffer profound emotional distress when they lose a job or cannot do their work for whatever reason, which truly indicates that they hang a large amount of their own self-worth on their work, rather than something more meaningful and controllable. The alarming number of employees on prolonged stress leave is evidence that physical and psychological health does break down, especially during these entrepreneurial times when workaholic bosses of lean startups are placing unreasonable demands on their staff. Now, although I do think it's prudent to point out that one does not have to have a paid job to be a workaholic, Many perfectionist homemakers, parents, and students suffer from this serious affliction, but for our purposes, we'll stick to the workplace, since we are workplace heroes after all. Now, chances are, as you were listening to the beginning of this podcast, you identified yourself as either a workaholic or not, 
But just in case, here's a list from Forbes.com that will help you narrow yourself down. Now, the first criteria of being a workaholic is you work longer than your colleagues. Workaholics are typically the first to arrive in the office and the last to leave, or they log in after hours and work well into the night. Do extra hours equal productive hours? Well, as we learned a couple of episodes ago, not often, the studies say. Instead, experts say that breaks, time off, and self-care enable more productivity in fewer hours. Now, the second criteria is that you can't turn off. Workaholism isn't simply defined by working long hours. True workaholism is the inability to turn off thoughts of work. For example, a workaholic is someone on the beach who is dreaming about being back in the office, where a healthy worker is in the office dreaming about being on the beach. And while we're talking about it, there are benefits to daydreaming. If I'm daydreaming about being on the beach, I can be doing a bang-up job, but I'm more calm and relaxed and excited about that possibility. Pleasant daydreams allow us to trigger our parasympathetic nervous system, or our body's rest and digest response. But conversely, work worries, even while you're on the beach, activate the body's stress response. The more you can turn off outside the office and stay calm during work hours, the more you activate your parasympathetic nervous system and disarm your body's stress response. It doesn't matter where you are, it matters what's going on inside of you. And the third criteria for being a workaholic is that your body feels unwell. Workaholics have a lot of bad habits that can hamper your health. If you're constrained for time, you can often turn to junk food and inhale your lunch at your desk or skip meals altogether. Exercise is often abandoned and sleep habits get thrown off schedule. Mental health experts who specifically treat work addicts consistently see the same ailments among the overworked. Gastrointestinal problems, headaches and migraines, weight gain or weight loss due to poor diets, increased irritability and tiredness, and heavy drinking as a form of stress relief. When your stress response is trumping your rest and digest response, what happens is our body secretes a hormone called cortisol, and adrenaline, and a lot of other hormones that are really detrimental physically, if kept at high levels on a constant basis. We know for a fact that these things lower our immune system, they clog our arteries, and they create all kinds of other physical illnesses. Now, the fourth criteria is that your relationships are strained. Workaholics need look no further than their loved ones for signs of work addiction. Family members and close friends are often the first to feel their absence. When people who love us tell us things like, I never see you, or you're never around, it's time to reevaluate our work-life balance. Workaholics tend to miss important life milestones like anniversaries and birthdays because of their work. They have a hard time saying no to the boss and even a harder time saying yes to the family. Relationship issues tend to surface when one or more workaholics are in a couple, and then the divorce rate is 40% higher than the rest of the population, which is already ridiculously high. 
And children of workaholics tend to have more anxiety and more depression. And the fifth and final criteria for being a workaholic is that you tend to tie your worth to your work success. Now, workaholics often define their self and self-esteem by achievement only. The culprit is perfectionism. With a workaholic's unrealistic expectations, a person will rarely feel satisfied with themselves. But it is easier said than done to just let go of perfectionism and unhinge your self-worth from your performance. So, okay, enough of the doom and gloom. If you're one of those unfortunate souls that we just listed, what can you do? How can you break out of this seemingly downward spiral? Well, here are a few hints from Inc.com for how you can become or remain a good and hard worker without overdoing it and becoming a workaholic. Number one is learn to shut it down. Make a pact with yourself that you will not work past a certain time and honor that time to shut everything down. Learn to walk away. For me, deciding to never check my work email after 8 p.m. was a great step in the right direction. It was a small step, but it was a good one. Now, number two is give yourself a break. Learn to give yourself breaks during the day, even if they're small ones. Go out for lunch instead of eating at your desk. Take a short walk around the office or a quick trip to the nearby park. Anything that changes the scenery, even for 10 minutes, can make a world of difference. I've started taking an hour mid-morning to go and work out. I make my coffee, I do some work and catch up on email and put out some fires, and then I go for a run or I hit the gym, and when I come back to my desk about an hour later, I'm more focused, and I already have this great feeling of accomplishment, which launches me back into the day a lot more focused and positive. Now, number three is to change your mindset. You may be among those people who believe that long hours demonstrate your great work ethic and that those who actually take breaks or spend evenings, weekends, and vacations disconnected are lazy and less committed. But that way of thinking is outdated, inaccurate, and so very unhealthy. So when you catch yourself giving into those thoughts, push back and remember what you think is what you are. And you don't want to be that guy. Number four, take it seriously. When you are consumed with work and acting as if your life were dependent on your job, you're likely damaging your health and your relationships. You need to take the change that you are trying to make seriously. Sit yourself down and write out your goals. Maybe re-listen to this podcast and, if need be, consider getting professional help to learn better skills for balancing your life. Talk to your HR department about getting help now rather than talking to them about taking stress leave later on. Number five, don't bring it home. The hardest test of all, when you go home, make a point of turning off your phone and disconnecting from your email. Instead, take time for your friends and your family, and here's a novel idea, yourself. It's time to be the person who just might be unavailable to work for a while. And unless you're literally saving lives with your job, well, that's okay. 
For more tips on this, check out the Workplace Hero episode called What Happens at Work Stays at Work at workplacehero.me slash leave work. Now number six is meditate on it. More than most people, workaholics need to learn to turn off their thinking mind, or their monkey mind as the Buddhists aptly called it. The practice of meditation is a great way to make that happen. Take some time every day and consciously slow down. Breathe, relax, rest your mind, and feed your heart. A great place to start is with a thing called box breathing, and you can learn about that from Yoga 15's Abby Carver in the episode at workplacehero.me commute. And finally, number seven, set healthy boundaries. Many people who are prone to chronic overwork also have trouble setting and maintaining boundaries. As a starting point, make a work schedule and commit to it. If you need to include some late evenings or some weekend hours, that's fine, but do it intentionally, based on schedules and patterns, not just because you're already there and you haven't actually dropped from exhaustion yet. And for more information on that, check out workplacehero.me slash workcation. Okay, I think it's time for your homework. I want you to type this into a browser workplacehero.me slash workaholic quiz all one word workplacehero.me slash workaholic quiz and take the test on that web page if your result reads like mine did well then you should probably rewind this entire episode and let's do it again especially that last part with all the suggestions of what you can do to set healthy boundaries now in case you're wondering this is what my result said you are addicted to achievement your self-esteem is largely defined by your success at work. You treat yourself as a commodity in the marketplace. This attitude may lead to ruined personal relationships and a lot of unhappiness. Well, crap. Being a workaholic doesn't benefit anyone. Not me, not you, not your team, not your organization, not even the world. So... Let's, you and me together, bust this thing wide open. Shut it down. Switch your mindset. Take it seriously. And man, take care of yourself. You'll be much more effective, not to mention happier, when you acknowledge that self-care keeps you not just in the game, but at the top of it. Now, before we wrap up completely with that whole part where I talk about how the show was written and recorded and narrated and stuff by me, I just want to say that I can't believe this, but this is the 29th episode of Workplace Hero. And that may not seem significant to you, but it is to me, and I'll explain why next week. But in the meantime, I would love to hear from you. How has this podcast helped you? What was your favorite episode? Who was your favorite guest hero? anything you'd like to tell me, leave me a note on Facebook, on Twitter, or the blog post for this episode over at workplacehero.me slash workaholic. Or you can even go totally old school and send me an email at podcast at workplacehero.me. Whatever tickles your fancy. It would mean the world to me if you just reached out. Thanks. Workplace Hero is researched, written, narrated, and recorded by me, Brock Armstrong, in somewhat sunny downtown Vancouver. 
Artwork by Ken Cunningham and music by my old band, The Irregular Heartbeats. Today's heroic topic was suggested by my buddy Justin, who I believe is currently expanding his mind in the Black Rock Desert. Now, you know what to do. Go make this week count.